No Regrets. Café Conversations with Madeline Smith in conversation with Bill Lawrence. Episode 4. And in this episode, Maddie takes another deep dive with me into her life, talking about mime and silent comedy, modern comedians, the decline of sitcoms and the rise of stand-up, Steptoe and Son, and favourite comedy roles. Oh, hello Maddie. It's lovely to join you again here in the cafe for another of our conversations. And for this episode, I want to ask you, what makes you laugh? Mime. A brilliant clown doing what they do best can have me beside myself. It's what Peter Cook did with a mirror of an old car. He did something extraordinary with this mirror. It was all mime. It was all silent. It's what Arthur did with those stupid ice cubes with the tadpoles in. It was silent comedy. There is a wonderful comic, and of course I can't remember his name now at all. He comes to England occasionally and he does an act uh, usually at the festival hall um, with a snowball, an imaginary snowball. And it's all in mime, and I'm, I'm under the floorboards. That's what it is, and there was, a, I saw years and years ago, and this actor, Michael Gambon, who was then completely unknown, mimed falling off a, a, a short chair at a table. And although there was lots of other dialogue going on, I watched him and it was all in mind, it was all silent and there, there was a time when I think I actually landed up on the floor with, with uh, laughter. And so for me, it's silent comedy and Laurel and Hardy, silent. That, for me, that's, that's the funniest thing of all. I don't need words, that's what makes me laugh. Are there particular comedians or comics of today that you would recommend that you find funny? Unfortunately, I do watch a lot of them standing up in front of mics, um, and I and I try and I happen to absolutely adore, and I mean adore, Bill Bailey. I just love him. I don't actually find him terribly funny, um, but that's just me. I think that's a lack in me because I'm sure he is very funny. And probably if I went, if somebody was kind enough to invite me and I went to one of his live shows, I'm sure I would be incapable. Um, I, I do adore him. He's the, he's the closest that I ever come. I don't find any of the others funny. I wish I did. I'm afraid I'm back to Laurel and Hardy and Chaplin and all those lovely old folk. That's what I find funny, even old cartoons those very, very, very early Disney cartoons um, or, or Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I just adore. Uh, I'm too old, really, to ask this question. Um, but uh, no, I'm not on a beam 
with aggressive I you know some, something somebody I saw on the bus the other day and they something or the wife this that and the other uh, that's not me I'm afraid In the 1970s, comedy was different in that television companies invested fortunes into sitcoms, which is a genre that has died a full death. The sitcoms don't exist. You know, the last great sitcom has just seen a 20-year revival, Friends. So it's, it's been a long time, and since BBC in particular invested money in sitcoms, there is one. I think Mrs. Brown's Boys is probably the only one which springs to mind. What do you think made sitcoms so popular back in the day? And, and, and why do you think they're not popular today? You've got me there, Bill. I can't actually answer that question. I think they find now that they, they, they weren't and aren't politically correct but I don't find some of the stand-ups particularly politically correct. Um, I don't know. I think they've just phased themselves out. I think we tired of them. The family situation, the two girls sharing the flat, you know, the mum and the dad squabbling, or Till Death Us Do Part, which was so wonderful. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know, they, they, I think, I think like all things, I think they've, they've had their day. And what has also had its day is sort of Dave Allen, sitting with a glass of brandy or whatever he had, and I think it was real, uh, talking, you know, Irish jokes. That's gone as well. Frankie Howard used to do it. He used to sit on a stool and talk. That's gone. Uh, even the monologue from Ronnie Corbett now that used to be in the two Ronnies every week, I think even that's gone. I think those have gone with the wind along with situation comedy. It's now I'm going to stand up at the mic and then I'm going to pace up and down on the stage and I'm going to be very, very rude. And uh, I think life has become a lot more aggressive, much more street, uh, and everything's got to have a cause now. And I've got to stand up for something. Uh, and if I don't stand up for something, then I'm not funny. Uh, and that's just not me. I'm just not, you know, I'm not young enough for, for all this, unfortunately. I can't answer that question. I think it has become fuddy-duddy, or supposedly fuddy-duddy. And yet when they show reruns of these things, people can't have enough of it. So, and of course, Benny Hill has completely gone. We haven't discussed Benny Hill. I never worked with him, but they've taken him off completely for not being politically correct, uh, which is such a shame because he was brilliant and immensely popular. Uh, so I, I, he and Frankie Howard have, have literally died the death. They just, Dave Allen, Frankie Howard, and Benny Hill have been removed, decapitated. Bill, I can't honestly answer that question. I'd like to talk about one of the greatest bits of comedy, something you were involved in, which defies classification in many ways, almost defies the classification of comedy because it was the saddest programme on the television and for a while on the radio with two uh, actors, they weren't comedians or comics and uh, you were part of that and the whole setup of the show was a tragic, a tragedy of two men living together, hating each other but they couldn't live without each other, of course that was Steptoe and Son. 
and uh, you had an involvement in that as well. How do you feel about Steptoe and Son and what, what memories do you have of that? They never should have gone into colour. Never. I followed Steptoe from day one, as indeed I did Coronation Street from day one, when it was all black and white and atmospheric. Steptoe and Son, the cracks showed when it went into colour and it no longer looked like an old junkyard, it, it looked like a stage set and I think that was a real pity. In fact, I would like most television to be black and white, most films to be black and white, but that's another story altogether. <coughs> that's just me. So I loved them when they were black and white and they seemed to fit better together. It, was, it became very forced and people ask me, did they get on? Not terribly well. Uh, they didn't really have very much in common. I mean, they worked fine together, but they didn't really speak. But you find that happens a lot, actually, with actors and comics. You know, they, they, they don't, I mean, for example, back to Arthur Lowe, I don't think he ever spoke to anybody except me when we were doing Doctor at Large. What was he going to say to all those young men? You know, really, uh, no interest for him whatsoever. Um, so I would say the same with them. They were very, without me, you know, going too much detail about their, you know, their back, their various backgrounds, the two of them. Uh, let's put it this way: in real life, the dad, Wilfred Bramble, he was terribly, terribly proper, beautifully dressed, very proper, very well turned out, and spoke beautifully like that. He was nothing of his persona. Uh, all hail to him for that. And, and he, he didn't mind dropping his guard, more or less dropping his trousers, did he, uh, in certain episodes. Um, no, that's where he was so clever, actually, Wilfred Bramble. He was a wonderful actor um, and, and, uh, and, and became this character, especially for the programme. Uh, Harry Corbett um, was actually nearer to that character in real life, strangely enough. That was almost him, Al almost him. It wasn't so very different from him. But as I say, they were very different animals from each other, having very, very little in common. So what was the original question, Bill? How did they get on? I can't remember. Well, what was your memories of being involved in that oh, show? Oh, yes. Oh, very happy. Very happy indeed. It, we had a brood of very nice girls in it. We were sort of models. It was called Back in Fashion. But again, my gripe, my grumble would be that we were in colour. I, when I did Doctor at Large, because there was a strike at LWT, um, I think quite a few of them were in black and white. And I did another programme, didn't I, called The Mind of Mr. J.G. Reader? And I think, I seem to remember, that was black and white. I, I prefer the black and white. <laughs> um, so that's my, my only grumble. It was a very, very happy experience, most enjoyable. And of course, I worshipped Galton and Simpson you couldn't have come across lovelier writers. I worked with them many times. Um, they, they wrote a thing I did called Cloche Merle, which was um, we entirely filmed in France about a loo. <laughs> um, that's, that's very basic <laughs> what it was about. Um, so the writers, genius, they were genius, and uh, the cast was genius. No, it was a very, very happy event. It, it, but we didn't all go out to dinner together. It wasn't that kind of thing. Uh, they, they, they didn't, um, they didn't, they, they didn't click. I think as mates. But you very often find that. I mean, for example, in the two Ronnies, Ronnie Barker, Ronnie Corbett, they, they didn't socialise together. They, they worked brilliantly together. Were very fond of each other, but they didn't socialise. 
Ronnie Barker used to go off back to his antique shop, Ronnie Corbett back to his enchanting family, his two little girls um, and adorable wife. So uh, that's not unusual. So yeah, great fun, a lovely experience, two very disparate characters. It's very clear that comedy's played a, an enormous part in your life and as you say it's, it's a day-to-day -day necessity for you. Yes. So uh, we've been very lucky for you to, to talk all your way through. Just one last question, if there was a comedy program that you could uh, have a part written for you, uh, American comedy or British comedy or film, which one would you have loved to be part of? Which, uh, which comic uh, portrayal or comic program do you think you would have loved to have taken part in? Friends. I'd have loved to have been one of the girls in Friends. That's the straight answer on that one. I think it is absolutely brilliant. I think it is perfection. But if, if I was to backtrack on something that I did, something I haven't even mentioned, which is the satire shows that I did with John Wells, John Bird and John Fortune and music written for me, songs written for me by Carl Davis, late night programs called End of the Pier Show, Up Sunday, In the Looking Glass. Fantastic. That was sort of through the 70s and I've never ever reached anything else like that in my career except perhaps Doctor at Large. Those three Johns and the music of Carl Davis and the niceness of them and the brilliance of them are outstanding. Unfortunately it went to such a small audience, BBC Two, we used to record them in the weather studios in early days. Finally they gave us a proper studio but uh, yeah we were up there on the top deck of the BBC at White City. <laughs> I used to used to say hello to the commissioner and then we used to do it all in the weather studio so yes i like the unglamorous side of showbiz i don't like parties i don't like glam and i don't like dressing up in real life i like dressing up to play a part episode 4 of No Regrets with Madeline Smith. <laughs>